Eat Media presents the Truth Seeker, Truth Speaker podcast, hosted by Bias Simbin. Yo, what's going on? Bias Simbin coming at you live and direct. Yo, I hope all is well in the world, man. You know what I'm saying? How we feeling today? Let it vibrate. The energy is up. You know what I mean? Feel me when I speak. We in the building. First and foremost, I want to say I'm truly thankful. I hope all is well. We in the building, man. You know what I'm saying? I've been anticipating this episode. We've been trying to get it together for a couple weeks now. You know what I'm saying? But when it's in divine timing, it's always going to come together. Yo, this man right here is a beast in business. You hear me? A beast in fitness. My man Eli Bay. I'm talking about Go Yard Dada. You know what I mean? Go Yard God. Balenciaga Dada. My man Eli Bay. What's going on, man? All is well, man. All is well. How you doing, man? Oh, man. We here in the building, man. The energy is vibrating. We've been consistent. Yes, sir. We've been consistent lately, man. And I was just thinking to myself, like, I need to be consistent in all aspects of my life. You know what I'm saying? All aspects of my life. How you doing today, man? I'm at my best, man, and you said it right, man, because, I mean, how you do one thing is how you do everything, so you want everything to, you know, be the same, then you got to be on the same page, man. It's a lot of stuff hitting us, man, but we still doing our thing, bro. That we part. still doing it. That you part. Know what I'm and it's so crazy because I just met you like a couple months ago, yes, sir. but we tight. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Because when the energy is connected, it don't matter if you grew up with dude or you grew up with the homegirl. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes when we grow up with people, we don't even be locked in the way that we be locked in. It's like, damn, so you mean to tell me I put this much time All in it? We, we, on, we on different totem poles. Yeah, How that man. work, man? It's just you thinking. It's just uh, some people are just a product of the environment you're in. I told my wife recently, I said, a lot of your friends, if you had the actual choice to choose them, you probably wouldn't have chose them as friends. Mm. They were just your friends because that's the environment that you was in. But now that you're an adult, you can choose your friends now. And it's quality over quantity now. I love it. I love it, man. Let's get right into it, man. Like, sir. so did you, you, you told me a long time ago, you came from Chicago. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yo, could you talk to me a little bit about your upbringing from Chicago? Like, how was that? Like, because, you know, like these days they, they talking shy rack, right? They talking oh, a yeah. whole bunch of nonsense. They talking yeah. about young cats wilding out. Yeah, Did you man. have to experience that when you was coming up in Chicago? Talk to us about that. Okay, so I, I my parents were born and raised in Chicago. I was just born there. And I went there summers to visit aunties, and most of my family is from there. But I'm really raised in Long Beach. Okay. So the, the, the politics and all the stuff of Chicago, I really don't know much about. But it's been like that all, all the time. Chicago is like L.A. It's a gangland. It's a gang city, you know what I'm saying? They got the, you know, the BDs, the GDs and all that. We got the Bloods and Crips and all mm -hmm. that. So it's the same concept, just a different way of doing it. But um, uh, my parents, they grew up in it, you know what I'm saying? And they took me out of it and brought me out here when I was uh, a small toddler. So mm -hmm. I don't really know Chicago like that, but it's in me by being raised by parents that was raised like that. And most of my family is from there. And uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, then, you know what? Let's let's actually talk about our upbringing in Long Beach, right? Because it's so crazy. Like, I, I, I came out of South Central, right? Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? And so 
I didn't really get to see like the Asians. You feel me? Like yeah. the only time I got to really see the Asians is when I went to downtown. Right. But I know they got a whole Asian community there. Yeah. That's like real street too. Right, right, it's right, like right. the craziest thing in the right. world. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it's like, you know, there's still wars and things like that. And it's all so lovely in Long Beach. Also, can we oh, talk yeah. about like the whole spectrum of Long Beach, okay. but your experience? I always tell people Long Beach is like a miniature LA. Mm. It's like LA if it was a smaller version. So Long Beach is one of the most diverse cities in L.A. We got everything from Samoans. Uh, we got one of, the, I think, the biggest Greek population. We got our little Jewish community. We got a little bit of everything. We got our north side, west side, east sides. But then we got our Bixby Nose, Signal Hill, where it's, you know, more of the money people. Then we got our downtown. Then we got our beach area. Mm -hmm. So we got a, you know what I'm saying, we even got the gay community area. So it's, it's, it's heavily, everybody's heavily represented in Long Beach. Mm -hmm. uh, growing up, I knew Asian gang members. I knew Samoan gang members. I knew black gang members. Yeah. And I knew Mexican gang members. Yeah. Everybody had gang members. You had the Asian boys that was, the, they was banging, you know what I'm saying? They, they act just like us. You couldn't, you couldn't mark them out. Like, oh, y'all, that's nah. crazy. Samoans, they with the business, the Mexicans, they with the business, blasted with the business. So I grew up in like an environment where everybody had their situation and everybody had their little, you know, the, you had the square cats and then you had the cats that was out there doing it. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So, um, very diverse. Um, I grew up on the north side, which is on the closer side to Compton. And, and isn't isn't that where um, what's Jordan my man? High school. What's my man name? Um, I forget my Vince Staples. Vince Staples Vince from Staples north side. From okay, over that way. Uh, OT Genesis is from over that way. The north side got a lot of stuff going on. A lot of people from the east side was on north side. Um, north side is like um, it was it, it's right it's right on the borderline of Compton. And it's right like that. It's like inner city for Long Beach because the east side is more sort towards the ocean. Okay. So uh, the north side was wild, man, especially when I grew up because I grew up in the 80s. So uh, the 80s was always wild for everybody just being in L.A., period. You know what I'm saying? It's a different type of environment for gang activities. It's before the truce and before everything else going on. So um, Long Beach being a crib city was no damus. Uh, it was a time in, in Long Beach when most cats didn't wear red. Most cats didn't wear anything that would resemble them being a a, a, a gang member or representing any kind of blood gang. Mm -hmm. um, that's the Long Beach I grew up in. And um, Long Beach was cool. I seen everything everybody else seen. I seen drive-bys. I seen prostitution. Wow. I seen, uh, you know, drug addicts. I seen homelessness. And I seen prosperity, like I said, Bixby knows right up the right over the train tracks from where I'm at. And Eli, I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit about like the mental, the mental experience more so. Where it's like you talk about seeing drive-by shootings, like mm -hmm. that's gotta be something that mentally impacted you. Seeing women on the street, right? Like mm -hmm. it's a lot going on at an early age. Like right. how did you maneuver them situations? Like how did you go about? You know what I'm saying? The streets of Long Beach mentally, right? Well, my thing was, when it came to guns, I'm going to say this. Most people, they was fascinated by guns. I was scared of guns because every time guns was involved, somebody got hurt. Mm. My introduction to guns wasn't by my father or uncle taking me shooting in the woods or taking me to the shooting range. It was introduced by somebody doing a drive-by in front of me or seeing somebody walk, get walked up on and, and getting shot at point-blank range. Wow. So guns was really like a, man, you know, do I need one if I need one? You know, what's going on? Like, so growing up, uh, my mindset was uh, always on getting money. 
Mm. I felt like money was the solution to everything. Yeah. I felt like if I had enough money, there wouldn't be no problems because <clears throat> every time there was a problem, it would have to be money involved. The whole reason why I was where I was at, it was money involved. Seeing uh, eviction notices on our doors or pay or quit because we ain't, we pay rent three days late. You oh, know, man. having the lights go out because we ain't paid electric, having the no phone because this is back when you don't have phone lines, really no cell phone. So, oh, you know, you don't pay the phone bill, phone get cut off. Um, just different things like that. Just start putting into my mind. When I get big enough, I'm gonna create security for myself, so I don't have to go through none of this stuff. I love it, man. And it's so crazy because, like, even when we was young, like you talk about gravitating toward the bread, right? Yes. You talk about gravitating toward the moolah, uh-huh. and it was so dope because a lot of us, as we came up, you know what I'm saying, from the turf and yeah. from turf war areas, yes, like yeah. it was one of them things where, what is it that you're gonna indulge in? Is you gonna indulge in the street life heavily? Right. Or are you going to focus on whether it's going to be school, whether it's about getting to the money, whatever it was to channel, you know what I'm saying, to channel that energy that we had to exhibit. You know what I'm saying? As young kids coming up in the gang or coming up in gang infested hoods, coming yeah. up in uh, uh, trauma, you know what I'm saying, having traumatic experiences. I wanted to talk a little bit about just like how you came to um, or like more so your experience on just like coming out of those situations right like when you because you didn't stay in long beach you know what i'm saying well, talk to us a little bit about just well, kind of like well i actually i'm actually been in long beach i'm still in long beach right now on the north side okay so the thing is is um everything is a means to an end with me i would have did whatever it took to get wherever i wanted to get mm-hmm. so that involved like i wasn't a gang member mm-hmm. i had gang member friends but gang mem being a gang member didn't look like a means to the end that i wanted so i didn't involve myself with it yes sir only thing that i really was involved in was females and getting money <laughs> you know what i'm saying naturally the females and then other than that getting money if i wasn't at the mall you know every saturday then i was doing something to get some money that every part. saturday or the weekend so my whole thing was i looked at my environment i looked at what i needed and what I needed, like I said, a preoccupation with getting paid was the only thing I needed to get paid. So that's whatever would lead me to getting money was the only thing that I was concerned with. I didn't concern myself with a lot of stuff going on in the streets. I didn't really get out into the streets that much. I wouldn't say I wasn't in the streets. I would just say I wasn't concerned with what was going on. Like I was there, but I was like, yeah, I I, I don't really know about, you know, this, that, and the third. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, I had friends that game bang, but I wasn't like, in all the politics, you know what I'm saying? I had older brother that game bang. I had cousins that game bang. But that wasn't my interest because I didn't see them having money from it. Mm. So I was like, I mean, okay, you doing it, but what is it bringing to you? And if it, like, if it, it, it don't make dollars, it didn't make sense. It wasn't benefiting. It wasn't beneficial, you know what I'm saying? So like I said, my whole thing when I was young was navigating through my environment by saying what's going to get me to the bag because the bag is the answer to everything. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and Eli, like, that's so crazy, bro. And I, I just couldn't help but think, like, a lot of those guys that are in the streets, like, even key, even people that's my closest peers who are no longer here right. or even experience, like, the institutionalization, right. you know what I'm saying, in, in the penitentiary and in the jail system, like, did you have to see any of that as you came up? Um. Yeah, plenty of people in my environment was going back and forth. Um, I didn't know why. Mm. Um, I seen people, you know, get into it and have domestic violence situations. I knew people, like my my close family members that was out here, a lot of them didn't do, I probably did more jail time than a lot of people in my immediate family around me. Mm. And that's crazy because I grew up an honor roll student. 
I grew up quiet. People looked at me like he gonna be the golden child. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then in some way, somehow, I turned around and became the black sheep. Wow, <laughs> wow! It'd be like that. It'd be like that because one day you wake up and be like, yeah, being you know, uh, Sugar Free said it, and I say it all the time, man. Don't be good, be good at it. <laughs> I, I was like too that. busy being good, but I wasn't good at what I was doing. So it was like you know, you so preoccupied with staying coloring in the lines, as I say. Mm. But sometimes you got to color outside the lines, man. That's when I really started living. When I start coloring outside the lines, man, and not following the rules, because it's only two types of people. I tell people all the time: those that make the rules or those that follow them. You know what I'm saying? I like that. You only follow them till you're able to make them. I like that. When you're able to make them, you ain't got to follow nobody's. I love it. And Eli, man, you talk about coloring outside of the box. Yes. I just couldn't help but think, like, sometimes we get confined in four corners, right? We yes. get confined in a box. A lot of times you got to step out of that box. That's when you That's when you grow. That's when you develop into the man, the woman that you're supposed to be. Exactly. And I know you bring up being in prison longer right. than a lot of the people that you were surrounded with. Like, can you right. talk us, can you talk to us a little bit about just your experience in, in, in the, in the prison system? Like how okay. was that for you? So for me, it was very educational because the type of person I am. See perspective is everything. Mm -hmm. So depending on the person you are, you're going to take from a situation, what you take from it. The mm -hmm. person I am is I'm very uh, highly on reflecting and I'm very high or big on looking at a situation not for the superficial, but for the deeper spiritual meaning behind it. So when I went to jail, I didn't care about what I went to jail for. I knew that wasn't why I was there. Mm -hmm. I knew I was there for a deeper reason. I knew, you know, sometimes you got to get shooken up to get to pay attention to certain things in your life. So I knew I was being shooken up mm -hmm. so I can get woken up. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I was sleeping. So the jail experience for me when I first went, it wasn't nothing because I didn't have no children, no responsibilities. I was ignorant. So it was just like, shit, I'm on vacation. Uh, it didn't get real until I had a wife and kids and I had to do a violation for uh, 16 months. That's what hurt me. Yeah. That's the only time I really was hurt going to jail because it was like, damn, I got people depending on me out here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My little brother, he was good before I had kids. My mom, them, they was cool. So I was like, everybody cool. I'm just in here. I'm going to do my time. Y'all don't worry about me. I'm going to do my time. I ain't finna bug y'all with phone calls. Don't worry about money on my books. I got, I got a hustle. I used to draw. So, I draw people's pictures of their family members to get more money to put uh, money on my books or just to be paid in commissary items. Mm. So I, I, I had a hustle. Uh, I stayed working out and I stayed reading. Yeah. But when I had a wife and kids, it was like, oh, you know what I'm saying? She going to leave me. You know what I'm saying? I'm finna miss my daughter first birthday. This wow. is my first born. I said, I was never going to let that happen. That's when the reality of, you know, how my life was, was like, yeah, got to be some major changes. Um, but jail for the most part was positive for me because it made me reflect on who I was and I'm a big on reflection. Yeah. So it gives you that time. Uh, prison can be like a temple, man. As I'm already funny as that sound, yeah. It's like a temple where your mind, body and everything can be built up. Like they say, it's a fool's paradise or a poor man's college. Wow. Either and, way. And, and Eli, that's so crazy. See the fools. You said to see the fool's, fool's paradise or a, a poor, poor man's, man's college. college. And you talked about gravitating toward the books. You talked about gravitating toward the knowledge. Like you took it as a positive influence, right? A lot of times. And I didn't see experience from dudes who get on YouTube or just like have conversation with me as we pass by. And it's just like, yo, it was this, that, and the third. And I had got myself into this, that, and the third. But I'm listening to you when you chose a positive route. Like, why did wow. you? Because you could have right because god gave us free will right the mm -hmm. creator gave us free will to do whatever it is on this earth that we so choose but you chose to do something positive why is that because that's just me mm. you can only be you in every situation you know how they say 
uh, money don't change you. It just it just intensifies who you already are, right? Let's get to the truth. Okay, so every situation, it ain't going to change you. It's just going to intensify whoever you are. So who I was in jail was who I was on the streets. When yes, I went to jail, I didn't run to God. I did read because I wanted something to take my time up, mm -hmm. but I wasn't finna get in there and act phony with God. Like, oh, I'm finna recommit myself all of a sudden because I'm in this bad spot. Right. What I did was say, okay, I'm here for a reason. Let me figure it out while I'm here. And in the meantime, I'm going to build myself up so I come out of here a different person than I went in. Wow. I listened a lot. So when the OG told me, stay, make sucker duck in your business, that's what I did. Mm. People tried to pull me into drama. Trust and believe. I was pulled in. And in certain certain ways, you can't avoid drama because you're in a situation where everybody's lumped together. When one person messes up, they group you and they make everybody get punished for it. But I was never responsible for creating the problems, okay. even though I would be involved in the punishment. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, like you know just me being a listener me being quiet me having a talent to draw me having a focused mind and self-discipline i was able to evade a lot of bullshit wow i love it man you talk about discipline it's so crazy yo e like you feel me and, and, and for everybody listening this is my man e i know he, he his name eli but i call him e you hear me yes, sir. yo like i love when like i I do calisthenics, as you know. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like, you done came to a few of the group workouts. Yes, we get busy, man. I'm talking busy. burpees, the pull-ups, the push-ups, the busy. dips. You know what I mean? And, and so, I actually took a lot of what I do out into my, uh, my, my workouts. I actually got from a lot of the prison yards, looking at YouTube videos and just mm -hmm. talking to certain people that's, like, mm -hmm. on program. And just, like, mm -hmm. how was that experience on a fitness level? Because you were beast in fitness, oh, my yeah. G. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? And, oh, yeah. and, and you talked about discipline, and it takes a lot of discipline to do the amount of numbers that they do. Right. Talk to us about that. Okay, so on the fitness level, because mm -hmm. I've always been physically active, mm -hmm. uh, when I got locked up, I went straight to the bars. Now, my first really deeply getting into calisthenics experience was in the penitentiary. Wow. So when I first got there, I could only do five uh, pull-ups. And when I did them, after I did them, my muscle underneath my, uh, like the wing part right here, I don't know what the muscle called, mm -hmm. bro, it was so sore, I couldn't barely lift my arm up without feeling pain. Oh, me. But by the time I left, I could do 20 pull-ups. By the time I left, I was doing 1,000 push-ups, 50 push-ups per set. Ooh. And that all came with just conditioning. I understand that in life, you can condition this body to do whatever you want it to do. That's a fact. So while I was in there, I just start conditioning myself. And um, I was so disciplined that I didn't have cats I went to. It was cats that was coming to me. I had COs that was asking me, oh, what's your routine? Because they mm -hmm. see me peel out and they'll see like, oh, man, you cut up, you ripped and stuff. I ain't that ripped right now, but I'm getting there. But <laughs> okay, uh, It's on the way. Hey, it's on the way. <laughs> uh, but they'd be like, man, what's your, what's your regimen? And then other guys, they just seen the discipline and they seen that, hey, man, I ain't got nothing else to do. Let me just run with this cat and just do it. And it would, came to a point where I think I had 20 guys on the yard. And we was all doing push-ups, uh, 50 apiece, 10 up, 10 down. Wow. And then uh, we would do a little rotation inside the dorm because uh, when I was in the county, they have a, a bar inside the, the uh the, the dorm mm -hmm. so you can do your workout inside the dorm and we'll get it in and there so working out became something that i can show leadership in it became something where i can escape it became something i was good at something i shined at because remember i'm in the gang i'm in gangland see in, yeah. the, in the in the county it's, it's nothing but gang members right you know what i'm saying so i'm me being a non-affiliate you looked at sometimes as a target. So Ooh. how can I untarget myself? Yeah. I had to swell up. Yeah. So I let niggas know like, yeah, I might not be affiliated, but these hands is, you know, oh, they, they, they can get with official. you though. <laughs> they official. So man. that was my way of protecting myself. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'm not finna become 
the weakest link in here. I'm not finna become a target. I'm not finna become bait. They mm. gonna respect me. On me. And that's what another thing that working out did, not only mentally, but it kept people off me. A lot of people were telling me, like, dude, over here tomorrow, he, he ain't gonna fight you, man. He, yeah. gonna, he just gonna, they, they, they jumping. I'm like, okay, yeah. as long as I know. They know I'm a problem up in here. I'm good. And you let it be known, you know what I'm saying, oh, just yeah. by your actions. actions. You feel me? And that's why I love when they say actions speak louder than words. Oh, Cats could do all that talking, all that riffing and raffing. Mm -hmm. You got to put in the work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like my man DMX, rest in peace. Put the weed in the bag. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You got to put in that work, my G. And you talk about <laughs> discipline, right? I want to actually make the transition into kind of like going in depth on like the value of discipline. You feel me? Because I feel like you didn't put discipline in the forefront. Yeah, I mean, the discipline led you to where you are today. So could you talk about like the power and discipline? Discipline is a cornerstone of any man's life. Mm. It's the cornerstone of life, period. Discipline needs to be up there with like the top four characteristic traits you need to have in your life. You need to be disciplined, bro. Oh, man. A person without discipline can't accomplish anything. And discipline translates to everything. Discipline in whatever your diet is, whatever your daily habits is. And this is the cold part. Talk Everybody's disciplined and everybody has habits. It's just what are you disciplined in? Some people was highly disciplined in bullshit. That part. And so their life is the product of that. Uh, I'm highly disciplined with workouts, so my physique stays in, you know, pretty much good shape even when I fall off. I'm highly disciplined in reading, so, you know, when you talk to me, you're going to get a whole lot of knowledge because I didn't put a whole lot of knowledge in my mind. Oh, in my head. That's why so, I like rapping yeah, with you, exactly, my G. Exactly, exactly. I'm full, so I'm always willing to spill because I'm full up to the brim. I'm constantly feeding myself, constantly feeding my mind. So, yeah, discipline. Discipline is at the top, man. I don't know if it's maybe the, 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 the top quality that, men need to have man because if you apply discipline to anything it will succeed if you apply this if you apply discipline, discipline in anything attitude attitude it'll succeed and so it's so crazy because you talk about how discipline needs to be in the forefront i personally feel like discipline needs to be in the forefront of the black community but more so black men Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. because it's so many, it's so many distractions that we involve ourselves with. It's like, damn, how we, how we took the time to just sit down and analyze. Yeah, I mean, before actually making those steps, we would probably be in different situations. Definitely. Lately, I've been on my discipline, bro. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? As you know, I talked to you last month. I did Ramadan. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking That's 15. Heavy. I'm talking 15 hours, no liquid, no food. I'm still on program working That's out. Heavy. They talking about yo, like. How you how you still working out? How you still do doing this, that, and the third? You ain't taking no liquor, no water, no none of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we doing discipline. Let's we talk on about program. that real quick. Yo, so, so I want to I want to get into my Ramadan experience, right? Like it's one of those things where I felt closer to God. You know what I'm saying? Because even when I was like abstaining from all of the activities of, of eating and whatnot, like it's so crazy, Eli, because we don't we don't really put too much emphasis on like the digestive system, right? Man. It's just like Okay, we eating this, that, and the third, not even paying no attention. Now, sometimes you got to get a body rest. You got to give that digestive system some rest because it's always working. It's a science to eating, and a lot of people don't understand that. Like, okay, for instance, your body digests food during the time you sleep. That's why you're sleeping, right? Mm -hmm. And really, your rest comes from the fact that your body is, at the time, you need to chill out so your liver can just pull all the toxins and everything. And so when you get up, the first thing you got to do is take a piss, right? Right. That's because your body been working all night. So let's just say you've been partying, drinking, and uh, uh, eating heavy late at night. The reason why they say don't do that is because guess what? Now your liver is working overtime. When you wake up, you feel like you ain't got no rest because you didn't. Oh. Your body's been working harder than it's supposed to. And so you get up, you might relieve yourself, but you still got still a lot of toxins in you that your body got to get rid of. Mm -hmm. So it's a science to eating. Um, you should eat 
after they say in the morning break, you should break your fast or have breakfast probably around 10, 11, 12, because your body's still digesting and you want to just throw food in. Like when you fast on Ramadan, you mm-hmm. don't just want to come off of it as soon as nighttime come and just throw a, you know what I'm saying? A lobster tail in your mouth. At all. You want to take your time and, and, and pull yourself slowly back in. So it's the same thing. And if you, if you eat on a clock, if you eat certain foods at certain times a day, uh, eat electric foods because the body is electric. Mm. Having a lot, it's it's a science to Talk everything. So even with the Ramadan, you find out how much of an emotional attachment you have to food. And let me and let me. And it's so crazy, emotional attachment because a lot of times motherfuckers out there be emotionally eating my that's G. It, you know what I mean? And so. That's when when we it. talk about like my experience with Ramadan, it was just one of those things where it was just like, and we talked about discipline. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was Ties like, all right, I need to discipline myself. You know what I'm saying? Like this was my second year. You uh-huh. feel me? Because my first year was last year of just like experiencing Ramadan. And it was like, I honestly could say like it was a bit easier. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it was like, I looked, I looked forward to it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because from sun up, so it's, it's from sun up is Sahur. So okay. that's the meal that you have on Sahur, okay. right before the sun comes, right? And then it's Iftar. So okay. Iftar is when the sun goes down. That's okay. when you can eat again. Okay. So I used it to where I do graveyard shifts, right? So I was able to eat throughout the night. You know what I'm saying? Eat my fruits and vegetables, mm-hmm. drink my liquids, drink as much water as I could. And then when the sun came back up, it was like, I'm already good for what I was eating right. through the night. Okay. I could go ahead and propel myself for the 15 hours right. that's in front of me. Right. You know what I mean? So that was a little bit of my experience. And I just want to talk a little bit more about discipline because discipline is something that I put on the forefront these oh, days, yeah. my oh, G. Yeah. And it's to. just like, what's your what's your take on just like, implementing discipline in the black community, but more so for black men. I think that there needs to be multiple uh, different types of organizations that can offer that discipline like they are. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You got the Nation of Islam. You got you got Islam itself. You got Christianity to a certain degree, some forms. You got, you know, probably some Boy Scouts. There needs to be more organizations that, that, that cater to um, teaching young men discipline early outside of just sports organizations like football and stuff, which is all good because yeah. it teaches discipline, it teaches teamwork and all that other good stuff. But there needs to be something outside of football and sports that gets young men. Cause I guess, I don't know, boy scouts ain't really popping. So everybody ain't sending their sons that way, but something of that nature mm-hmm. with a militant nature. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? That more can probably cater to our community because you know, discipline is what makes a lot of these guys, better people, better men in the community when it's, when it's acquired young. And, um, there ain't a lot of them. Like yeah. I said, it's just the sports. And then, I mean, I'm really, I, I like, I like the nation of Islam's discipline. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I like about them that the paramilitary style of the FOI and stuff. Yeah, I would have liked to went through that. I'm not gonna say I would have stayed, but I would have liked to just had that experience, or you know, going to military school. See, a lot of us in the community we jaded by a lot of things, but we don't understand that we could just take them as tools. Like a black man going to the army. Oh, you know, we don't have no business going to the army. We ain't trying to fight their wars. Right. But what about just going for the discipline? What mm. about going? F- just so you can see the world for free. Well, let me stop you right there, right? Only because I'm actually on the opposing end, right? Like, I always had it to where it's just like, why are you going to fight a white man army, right? Right, right? And so, like, you you just dropped a bomb on you on me. You talked about just, like, why don't you go for the discipline? But I'd be so focused on just, like, why do you even need exactly. to be a part of it? You know what I'm saying? So, see, so talk to us a little bit about that. So that's, it's all perspective. We got to really alter our perspective on things. Mm-hmm. Stop looking at it one-sided. So uh, the army, if I looked at it different, 
it could have been an opportunity for me to get a level of discipline and see the world from a different perspective. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it's some discipline that I would have liked to have. I had to get it going through the prison system because, you know, the prison system is set up kind of like military style too with the right. bunks and all of everything and how it's situated. So that's the kind of discipline I didn't want. Mm. I didn't want to go through it that way, but right. I was forced to. So, yeah, uh, there's different things in our society that have a, a bad bad rap on them because mm-hmm. of the society we in. And if we just look at it from a different perspective, like, okay, growing up, nobody ain't going to want to be no police or no CO or nothing, right. right? But for those that wasn't involved in gang activity, for those who don't have a career as criminals, it could have been a good experience and it could have been something that could have had more help mm-hmm. for your community than anything because now you on the inside. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Helping from that perspective. So, we just got to change our perspective on a lot of things when it comes to uh, dealing with our, you know, so-called enemy, you know, because our real enemy is ourselves at the end of the day. Oh, just I, keeping it all the way funky. Hey, yo, yo, by the way, man, this is the truth seeker, truth speaker. You hear me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yo, we finna dive right into it. You already know how I rap. You know what I mean? Right, Feel me deep, rap. Man. Yeah, I mean, this is my man Eli. Yo, we 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 drop bombs. You hear me? Yes, Dropping sir. torpedoes from yes, the sir. podcast. Yo, so let's talk a little bit about just like how people aren't really being them true, authentic selves, right? Like, there's so many times in society, right? Even in culture, I'm seeing cats and even women. You know what I mean? Being like somebody else. It's just like, damn, like where's the originality? You know what I mean? Like, what is it you putting out into the world that I don't really see out into the world? You feel me? Like, what's the power of being yourself? And, like, how, what was your experiences just kind of, like, being yourself as 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 a as a, as a kid coming from uh, North Long Beach uh-huh. to even moving around in the city right now? Okay. Well, first, first and foremost, we got to deal with the issue that everybody, and not just so-called black people, got an identity crisis that mm. we got to address because you can't be your authentic self if you don't even know who you are. Let's get into it. You know it. what I'm saying? So the identity crisis got to be dealt with first. In the first stages of people's life, which is mean birth to adolescence all the way up until about high school, mm. people is trying to figure they self out. And a lot of people get caught up in some shit that's not real before they can really figure out who they are. And then a lot of them make a lot of detrimental uh, 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 choices. Mm-hmm that kind of make it harder to even get a chance to discover who they are. Yeah. I'm going to say going to jail helped me figure out who I was because the trial and how I responded to the trial Mm -hmm. helped me define myself. So you could define yourself by what you do. And then you can define yourself by what you do when you go through certain circumstances. Oh, so when I went through certain circumstances, I realized that, damn, I'm built a certain way. Built a certain way. I'm saying so for me to be authentic would be for me to be whatever I wanted to be because when I realized that in any circumstance I can always rise, then I was whatever I desired to be at that moment. Yeah. Whatever I needed to be at the moment, that's what I, when I was in prison, I had to be a certain person. Yeah. And I rose to the occasion and been that person. When I got married and had children and went through the, you know, just the struggle of raising a family, mm-hmm. I rose to the occasion and was the person I was supposed to be. So I really can't put myself in a box. And I don't want anybody else to put themselves in the box At when all. it comes to being your authentic self. But there are some underlining characteristics that need to be consistent throughout all your experiences. And that's who you are. And it's so crazy, right? Because like here on the Truth Seeker, Truth Speaker, we're able to live in our truth. You feel me? And yes, sir. me speaking on just like being our true, authentic self, even myself as a young, as a young man coming up in South Central, like 
I can I can I can literally sit down now and analyze how I was moving even when I was moving through high school and I wasn't really being myself like I would a lot of times try to appease to the people around me right yes, sir. you know what I mean you talk about like identity crisis I feel like I personally experienced a little bit of identity crisis oh, yeah, we all we you know all, what I'm saying and but I like I love the fact that you talk about a lot of times we get in certain situations to see what we made of you know what I'm saying? Either you gonna bend or you gonna or you gonna blossom. Yes, you know what I'm saying? Yes, and you yes, a man yes, who chose to blossom, and yes, I salute sir. you for that, my G. Salute to you. Yo, too. so I wanted to ask you, man, like, you know what I mean? Like, so so what are some of the mistakes, right? What are some mm. of the mistakes you've made throughout the years and how has that changed you? Okay. One of the main mistakes I've made is not being loyal to the woman that, you know, held me down. Wow. And uh that's something that a lot of people go through, but I I'm not gonna say cheated, I'm gonna say not being loyal because loyalty mm. It's something that we think we know, but like I said, when you're in a position yeah. to show who you are, how you respond shows who you are. And I realized, hey, bro, you're not loyal. And uh, you, you're not loyal in this situation, but you're going to be loyal in this situation. And this situation was when you really should have been loyal. You wow. know what I'm saying? A lot of my issues stem from around, you know, lack of loyalty, not respecting relationships. The reason why I'm in a lot of the stuff that I've been in and going through even right now is because I don't respect the position I play in the relationships I have. Mm. That could reflect on your credit. That could reflect. Okay, I, I'll just put it like this. When you get a car, mm -hmm. a lot of times you don't realize that you're entering into an agreement, right? Yes, sir. And in that agreement, both sides have a certain amount of things that they're obligated to do. And if one side doesn't do it, then there's going to be some kind of uh, remedy that got to be set. Mm. Now, us on this end of the people who's getting the cars, we usually look at it as, okay, I got my car, I'm good. But as soon as they want you to hold their in and you start slacking on it, you want to say, oh, they crooked. Oh, they doing this, they doing that. Um, or if you out in the streets and you committing crimes and you know you live in a society that's not 100% uh, correct, mm. but you know on your own consciousness you're committing crimes. Forget what's the law. You know what you're doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. And when it's time to pay, you got to scream, oh, but this is all a setup, all this all. Finding, uh, finding excuses. Exactly. Uh -huh. So it's, it's a lack of accountability, yeah. but a, a lack of understanding of your you know relationships. So that's a mistake I made, not understanding relationships. Wow. And, and so like we talk about, because uh, and, and un under no circumstances, we've all had situations, right? Or we've yes. also witnessed, bared witness to like situations that, you know what I'm saying, struggle with relationships. Like yeah. what is, what is, what, what do you personally feel as your perspective and just kind of like connected to your experience? Some of the distractions that we, that take place just as a society thing. Cause this ain't a, a black and white thing. This is right. an everybody thing. Like right. what are some of the distractions that get in the way of building a, a strong relationship and sustaining that strong relationship. You talking about like the relationship with my wife? Well, just like in general. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You feel me? Because this is a worldwide thing. Right, like right, even right, from, right. from blacks to whites to respect right. all over. Right, 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 right. Not properly understanding your role in a relationship when you get in it. Mm. Like some people just get into relationships and they don't even understand their role completely, but they just jump in and That's then crazy. later on they find out they role and then they want to renege. That's crazy. So you got to really understand like this, that's a level of immaturity. Mm -hmm. So when you mature, you start bettering and improving your relationships, your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your bank, your relationship with your job. See, when you're young, you go to your job, you five, ten minutes late, they like, uh, you know, you, you got an excuse every time. Right. But when you get older, more mature, you like, you know what? Yeah, it was traffic. But if I leave 20 minutes earlier, I won't get that traffic. There it goes. That's called maturity. There it goes. So, like, when you, when, 
I don't know if the question was what we can do well, or how. Well, what are some, let's what, identify some of the distractions, oh, right? The because, distractions. You know what I mean? Because okay. it, it prevents us to having that that strong or sustaining that strong relationship. Okay. So the, the 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 main distraction is you know making a choice without sitting back and thinking about you know really what you're being asked to do. Let's get into you know it. What I'm saying you got to really understand like before you jump into that situation what you really being asked or what you stepping into. I think the main distraction is people like allowing time and allowing just to want to rush into shit. You mm. nigga, you need to know what you enter into. That's go over any kind of relationship you enter into. A lot of people don't read contracts. Mm. I'm guilty of it. Yeah. But when you take that time to understand what you're entering into, you probably be like, you know what? Maybe, nah, maybe I won't. Instead of entering into a relationship and then eventually having a bad outcome because you didn't enter into a relationship that you really didn't understand the the, the small, fine line. And can we stay right there? Like, so crazy, like, how you how you broke it down to where just, like, even, like, look, reading contracts, right? Because right. I could see a relationship to even, like, a marriage, right, as a business yes. agreement, you hear yes. me? And so let's let's like, let's make that transition into just kind of, like, putting our focal point on just, like, the the power in uh, a person that you're supposed to spend your life with, mm-hmm. and it transcends from love. You know what I mean? This is somebody that you're supposed to be making uh, uh, generational wealth with, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, this is somebody who is be, who has now become not only your lover, but a business partner. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, talk about talk a little bit about uh, the power behind just, like, making sure you're with the person that you can be in love with, but yeah. you also can, 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 are with the person that you see a business uh, uh, agreement with. Okay, I'm, I'm going to put it like this, man. You can learn to love people, man. To me, love is a decision. You can learn to love somebody. I like that. Let's 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 get the business handled first. And the business is, I'm going to put it like this. Gucci man said this, man. He said, man, he said, they asked him a question like, would you, uh, would you get married if you was broke? He was like, man, nah, man, I got to get my money first. Oh, man. He was like, well, I'm going to get married if I ain't got no money. Oh, man. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, you know what? I never thought about it like this. But why I never thought about it? Because I was thinking love. But love is a decision, bro. Yeah. And you can learn to love somebody if y'all on the same page with what y'all want both want. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, man, look at you. Uh, nah, cause see, on, go ahead. Be, no, because the business agreement, yeah, right? The business agreement. Uh-huh. Okay. So, 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 um, I think that the business comes first. Okay. And the reason why I say that is if you get with somebody. And you know y'all both want the same things. Y'all about to build this business, quasi mm-hmm. business. The business is you and her are gonna get together and build a life together. Ooh. Y'all gonna have children and y'all gonna build this family, y'all gonna own a home, and y'all gonna live, y'all gonna travel, y'all gonna do this is y'all business. Mm-hmm. This is y'all life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Love is going to keep everything together, but what is coming together? Wow. What are we bringing together that love gotta keep together? Wow. Why am I even coming to you? See, so like putting the love first is cool. Like if you find somebody, like you see them first time, you see them, you like, man, I'm just in awe of your beauty and everything about you, your grace, your vibe. I feel it. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But put that to the side for a minute mm-hmm. and let's see if we on the same page with what we want actually in life. And what, are we pursuing the same thing? What do you What do you tell the listener who's thinking to themselves like, why can't we put love on the front for lo- love is so powerful. Love is just like, it kills all things, right? Like right. you put love, love is just this powerful thing. Right. So like, what do you tell the listener that says, why should I put love to the side and put the business in the forefront? Because you can learn to love anybody. Wow. You can learn to love somebody. Let's get and into people that. People got to understand that love is a decision. Mm-hmm. It's not really an emotional thing. It's a decision. There's an emotional response when you love somebody. 
but the actual act of love is a decision. You got family members that you love because they're your family. You decided that there's no connection there. And that's the same thing you need to do with your wife. I mean, in cultures where they, uh, I like to talk about how cultures that, that like in Africa, I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's Nigeria, but it's African cultures that when you get married, you have to pay the family for taking their daughter in marriage. Is that right? So that's what I'm saying. Talk to us. That's a business agreement. It sure is. You're taking my daughter. You're going to compensate me for that. But the fact that you can compensate me lets me know that you can take care of her. Mm. See, where's love in that situation? Ain't, ain't, they ain't, yeah, ain't no, ain't I, no love I, in there. I, I, ain't, be, I ain't bear witness. I yeah. ain't bear witness to now, it. I'm not saying that. If it to me, the reason why it works because when I, I have a daughter, I got three daughters. Okay, that's beautiful. By and the when way. I and thank you. And then, and when I think about what's going to happen to her when she's not under my home, I'm not. I want the man to love her, but I want him to be able to take care of her. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that that has to meet somewhere on the same line. So for the person that says why they love, because love is an action. Love is an action. And you can learn to love anybody. But before you can love that person, you got to learn that person. And y'all got to be on the same page on what y'all want in life. This is a business transaction. A marriage is a merger, literally. Yo, I want to I wanna salute my man Eli, man. We in the building going crazy. I'm talking yes, about sir. dropping bombs, yo. Yes, sir. So let's make another transition, my brother. So okay. I want to get into, like, what's your signature, right? You, because we talk about we talk about being our true, authentic self and, uh, and the value of what it is that we offer into the world, right? Because right. the creator put us on this earth, on this world, on, on this earth to, like, provide, you know what I mean? Add, right? Mm-hmm. It's so often we take, you know what I mean? We deplete the earth. We need to in, re-energize the earth. So mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, what's your signature, right? Like, the, the, they know you mm-hmm. for doing this, and nobody could get it the way that you do it. You know what okay. I mean? Like, what's Eli's signature? Okay, my my signature is leveraging my life Ooh. and helping people to understand that personal development is the cornerstone of everything you're going to do. Let's that's, get into that's it. That's what I'm about. That's what I wrote my book for. That's what I've done everything for, to help people understand that at the core and foundation of whoever you're going to be is personal development. And I am a person that studied myself and has constantly worked on developing myself. Mm -hmm. And I want people to do the same. Mm. Anything that you want to succeed in, you can succeed in. If you start there, leverage your life. I've leveraged minds. Everything I've done, I've took what I've had and I've leveraged it. Yes, sir. Even right now at this moment, when I'm doing my YouTube with my family, Mm -hmm. I have a family of six. What am I doing with it? I'm leveraging it. Why? Taking our life and creating content off of it. That's leveraging your life. Yes, sir. And anybody can do that because you're alive and your life is content. Every day of your life, you're creating content. What you do with it is based upon your ability to be resourceful with what you have. See, everybody always say, I came from nothing, I came from nothing. But the word nothing, really, what does that mean? Because there's no such thing as no thing. Right. Ooh. What is no thing? There's always something. Yes. So nothing means the lowest level of a thing at its most primitive form. Mm. But that's the best form because if you look at clay, at its lowest level, it's just a ball or mass of clay, right? Yes, sir. But what can it be? It can there's be molded. infinite potential in nothingness. Ooh. Okay. So I'm that nothing. I'm that nobody. Yeah. That's becoming somebody because yes, I knew what to do with that nothing. Come on now. Come on now. We <laughs> breaking we breaking down Let's the signature. You know what I mean? Let's and and nobody could do it the way Eli do it when he spit no. that. You know what I mean? No. When that's that's the signature that he has for himself. And I just want to talk a little bit about just like, are you are would you consider yourself a positive influence in society or a negative one? I always say 
if you can't learn what to do from me, you definitely going to learn what not to do. Ooh. So I don't know if learning what not to do <laughs> is a <laughs> negative thing. <laughs> but I, I like to play on the dark side of things. You know what? Let's get into it. Because a lot of people don't like to dive into the dark side. Yeah. So I like to be on the more, I'm not going to say a negative influence. Um, I'm a positive influence because of the negative situations that I've been in. Talk a little bit about that. Okay, so I've learned and made mistakes. And I'm happy to be an example of what not to do, man. Ooh, I'm I not like afraid that. to be the example. That's why my book is called Against All Odds. What I'm basically saying is, is against everything that was stacked up against me, I still succeeded. So mm -hmm. whatever stacked up against you, you can do the same. My life is the actual, the the actual ministry. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That I'm bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. So I, I like to dive into the negative side, the dark side, because. That's where everything is birthed from. That's where everything comes out of. That's just like that nothingness, that darkness. That's the root. That's the core. That's the beginning. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's been demonized, but, you know, if you step into it and really just sit into it and just get into it, then you can get everything it has for you because everything's in darkness. Remember, darkness is the conglomeration of all of it. Mm. It's, it's light compacted. You know what I'm saying? But when you start breaking it up, then you get the different colors. Okay. You know what I'm okay. saying? Black is not a color. If you take all the colors in a rainbow and mix them up, you get black. And I heard that before. Right. So, I, I, I you know, the negative side or the villain or the antagonist. Right. You know, that's who I want to be. Because when I watched uh, Joker, mm -hmm. I learned more about life watching Joker than watching Batman. Well, talk a little bit about that. Like, what is it that you gravitated toward? I gravitated towards the fact that um, society creates things and then... It, it, it tries to, after it creates it, it tries to um, put it in a cage and punish it for what it created. Wow. But at the same token, mm -hmm. the individual that's in society that's screaming, I'm a product of it, he still made a conscious to short choice to be a product of it. That's a fact. Nobody that, is exempt. And that ties back into accountability. Society has to be accountable, but the individual has to be accountable. Joker became Joker because he didn't want to be accountable anymore. He completely blamed society. That was his downfall. That's why there's going to be a hero to come and check him. Because he, if he don't get checked, then he's, then he's going to just run crazy. Yeah. But society created Joker, and Joker got to check society. Mm. That's let why it would never be a perfect society. And, and, and let me ask you, like, this is so crazy, right? Because you talked about society creating this monster, oh, right? And so, like, could you talk a little bit of just about, like, how much society has raised, you know what I'm saying, or, or created so many monsters that they lack accountability for? Man, society will not take responsibility because that means they have to change. They have to accept guilt. They have to accept guilt. Mm. But to me, I'm a firm believer in all is well. All is well. Everything is exactly how it should be. So you mean to tell us on the truth seeker, truth speaker, it's in divine order. Everything, when God said it's good, he stopped and it was good. I respect that. Everything is good. You got to come to terms with what that means. You got to come to terms and come to peace with it. Everything is already like it's supposed to be. So, so let's stop right there, right? Because... I love that because you didn't, you didn't, you didn't uh, uh, spark the question in my head uh -oh. just off the thought right there. So, is life already written? You know what I mean, like, is life already written, or do are you your, your are you your soul manifester in life? You can write your own life as you go about. You know what I'm saying, or is it already written? It's already okay. in stone. I'm gonna put it like this to you: the foundation of every possibility is already there. Let's get into it. 
every possibility to every every possible path that you want and can take already exists. Ooh. See, but where the trick comes in is instead of trying to figure out is is fate gonna choose it for me, you gotta choose which one you're gonna take. Mm. See, but the good thing about knowing that it's already made for you is saying that you don't have to get into this thing of if. Okay, I always tell people there's a poor version of you and there's a wealthy version of you. You experiencing the version of you that you focus on the most. Wow. You know how they get into all the multiverse stuff? This stuff is real, man. Yeah. This stuff is real because when God created everything, he created everything and stopped. Everything was already here. It didn't just end at plants and animals and men. Every possible possibility, past, present, and future. Mm. For every individual that will ever, ever come into being has already played out. You as the individual must choose which one you will experience. Oh, it's like, it's like there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing. But the part you play that gives you the director's wand or that gives you the power is you choose the path that you're going to experience. <laughs> mm. See, we trying to figure out like, are we writing it? No, it's already written, but you choose what you're going to experience. Crazy. You have to make that choice. So still the power still is in your hands, but you have to take a choice. That's how the power is. The power is in the choice. And it's so crazy, Eli. Like I, I'm loving this conversation, by the way. And I hope the listeners out there is loving this. We Let's dropping bombs, y'all. I mean, deep. so Let's so it's so crazy, right? Because like I know that the creator, right? I like to call yes. him the creator because yes. sometimes people say Allah, sometimes people say God, uh, yeah. the creator. So so um, it's one of those things where I know that the the, the creator gave us free will, right? Yes. You know what I'm saying? And you just talked about how even though it's already written, mm -hmm. we have the option to choose our fate. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So talk a little bit of just about like the options that we that we that we either exhibit or mm -hmm. we lack. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Because of the free will that we have. Or more so, more so, right? Because a lot of times people be like, oh damn, like why does this happen to me? Or why did this person die? And was that written? Or why was that woman sexually assaulted? Right. Why is why is the world the way that it is? Right. Is that already written? Right. Man, what now I say? I like I like I like recalling albums and songs and people because it yeah. brings everything back here. But uh -huh. Nas said in the song, Nas is like a baby's being born the same time a man is murdered. The Ooh. beginning and end. Cold boy. Okay, so if you you gotta we see we stuck in time, so we look at a series of events as it's happening linearly and it can possibly be prevented or maybe. It couldn't been prevented. Mm. Everything has happened already on some level. Wow. Whether we experienced it or not doesn't matter. What matters is whatever experience you want to experience, that's what you're going to experience. Now, when you see the baby die, we just recently had a child get shot yeah. in the face, two years old, okay? May they rest in peace. Some people want to say, um, is there a God and is there a creator or a higher being? If so, why will let this happen? Mm -hmm. Some people would say, is that the destiny of that child? Did that child do anything to even create that destiny? Yeah. What you more so should look at that situation is, is look at it in relationship to your life. Mm. Okay. You can't look at that relate. You can't look at what's going on and say, what did that child do to have that happen? Or what kind of creator had that happen? Uh -huh. The point is, what does it mean in relationship to you and to your ultimate understanding of the world? What does it mean? It means that a baby's being born the same time a man is murdered. Wow. That there's death and life. Everything exists. Yeah. The most heinous crimes that you can imagine are being committed right now. Right now. Right, right this very now. second. But guess what? 
the most beautiful acts of love are being committed right now. So there's a balance in order. There's it a balance has in order. to be. Talk there about, is no darkness that. without light and there's no light without darkness. Wow. I believe everything is created or everything is defined by its opposite. Mm. What's up without down? Wow. What's left without right? Yeah. If there was no West, you're just going East forever. Right. And we know that life is cyclic, not linear. Mm. So we're dealing with cycles. We're dealing with counterbalancing opposing forces. Mm -hmm. There has to be an opposite. Reconcile with that. The reason why we ask those questions because we're not reconciling with the other side of life. Ooh. We want the rose without the thorns on the uh, on, on the stem. Oh, wow. You feel me? Uh-huh. You got to reconcile with the other thing. You know, there's a predator and there's a prey. Yeah. You say that prey, you know, is an innocent, you know, antelope. But that lion was hungry and had cubs to feed too. And that's in divine order also, right? And it's because in divine circle God of life. put those animals there to do just that. Man, it's everything feeds off itself. Yeah. The Ouroboro, it, we all eat and all energy feeds off itself. It never Ooh. dies. Yeah. That's just an expression of how energy feeds off itself. Mm -hmm. So that's how you got to take it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, there's extremes on how people look at things, but they need to bring it back into perspective. And you bring it back into perspective by looking at it in relationship to your life. What am I seeing? What am I, you know, why did I experience this amounts immense joy? And then I, did I experience this immense pain? Yeah. Because I have to understand that those, I wouldn't even knew that joy if I didn't know what pain was. It's like the yin and yang. It you know what I'm saying? Understanding. Exactly. A lot of times we fall victim into thinking that it's just one-sided. You know what I'm saying? Never, never never looking at the other side of things. Never. That's when you put it in all the full spectrum. You know Everything what I'm saying? got to be put in this proper matrix. You talked about life being cyclic. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's not linear, but a lot of times oh. we look through through life through the lens of a linear life. Yeah. But it's not like that. It's not. Wow. We think about it because we get born and then we go to death and then we think that's the end. So we look in linear. But the week starts on Sunday, ends on Saturday. It's not a new day made after that. It goes back to Sunday. Mm -hmm. It goes January to December, then it goes back to January. That's cyclic. It goes winter, spring, summer, fall, then winter again. That part. It's a circle. That part. So if we know that things are just repeating in a cycle, it's a, it's it's feeding off of itself so that it could be reborn. Death is the passage to rebirth. And let's stop right there. Death is the passage to rebirth. Here on the Truth Seeker, Truth Speaker, we dropping bombs, yo. So look, check it out. So so. What do you, what's your take, right? Because a lot of times in society, we may grieve and, 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 and mourn the death, right? And mm -hmm. that's understandable, right? Mm -hmm. But Very. I was always told, well, actually, I wasn't always told this, but just recently, maybe a couple years ago, I, I told somebody came up to me and was just like, and actually dropped a bomb on me, was like, yo, we got to embrace death because death is actually a celebration of transition yes, to the spiritual world. Yes, you know sir. what I mean? So let's dive into that type of yes, conversation sir. in regards to just like, What's your take, you know what I'm saying, or just like when it comes to just like us embracing death and just us uh, celebrating death? Okay. Um, that's not something easy to accept. I ain't going to lie. Yeah. When I think about it now that I'm at the age I am, I'm like, okay, one day this is, is going to be checkout time. Yeah. You feel me? I understand from my understanding that, you know, energy never dies. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, I'm going to transform, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to die. So just the unknowing specifically of what's going to take place, it brings like a little level of, you know, reluctancy. You know anxiety a little bit. A little anxiety, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? That's natural. But, you know, it'll all pass. But um, I just think that um, the sooner we learn to accept it as a part of life, mm -hmm. as a part of life. That's key. That's key right there. Emphasis. <laughs> then things will be better because it's a part of life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I just think we need to learn and it needs to be taught younger 
that death is a part of life and not this whole thing that we're going to either live forever or this whole thing of uh, uh, just do all you can while you're young because you're going to die anyway. That that kind of like is not even a good route neither. That's that like, whole YOLO, like yeah. you only live one type of mentality. I mean, I understand, but it's like, you know, I'm not finna burn myself out just because I may not be here. I can be here for a long time. And see, I just wanted to, I just wanted to respond to that. A lot of times, even like the little Drake YOLO, you only uh-huh. live once, right? Uh-huh. But nah, you don't live once because you live every day. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like I live every day. I woke bro. up this morning. We here this morning. Bro. We woke up every you day. Just dropped a bomb. Let's talk every about day that. we live in a Come new on. life, Come bro. On. We starting off new. Come on. So why would I say I only live once? It's like saying I only live one day and I die. That part. See, we taking the whole life experience and lumping it up. Right. See, we keep doing that. Yeah. That's our perspective creating. Then, then it creates the anxiety and the stress and all these other ideas of this one life situation. Mm. You mean you live many lives? I I can tell you right now, I've lived many lives. Yes, sir. I've been a pastor. Well, I ain't gonna say pastor, but I've been ordained as an elder in okay. a church. I've been an inmate. You know what I'm saying? I've been a business owner. Mm-hmm. I've been an employee. Now I'm a father. I've been a husband. Mm-hmm. I've been a father of a daughter. I've been a father of a son. I've been a stepfather. You feel me? I've been a wow. friend. I've been a, a brother. I've been a son. You know what I'm saying? I had my dad not in my life. I had my dad in my life. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like I've in in those different lives I had to be different people. Yeah. Or I had to adjust or I've become different people. Yeah. So it's all how you define a life. You know what I'm saying? How do you define life? Mm. Like you I like how you said it. Every day we live in. On me. So if you define it like that, then it ain't no once. It's however many you want. That's crazy, bro. And, and and you talked a little bit about like earlier in the conversation, you talked about like I'm a I'm a I'm a father of six. You know what I'm saying? And, and just like the creation of the YouTube and leveraging, right? Right, right, right? And like you also just ended off the point of my father not being in my home. And right. I was going to ask you this earlier, but it's all tying in, right? Mm-hmm. So what what's the importance of having a father figure in the home? Balance. Oh, balance. Let's get into it. That's it. Okay, so I noticed just being a father mm-hmm. in the home with my daughter, mm-hmm. what I bring to the table. Yes, Moms sir. are great. But by being in the household, I realized moms can never do it all, even for their daughters. Yeah. Forget, oh, I can't raise a man. You can't raise a daughter mm. by yourself. Whatever y'all think y'all doing, y'all could have done 10 times better if y'all had that mate in your life. Mm. And you can't, st- you can't keep having this mentality of, oh, it's good enough. Give your child the best. And the best is both parents. That part. That's how it was created. So being in my household, I see that. I provide a certain energy. Everybody provides a certain energy in the household. Mm-hmm. The mother provides her energy and the father provides an energy. Would you, would you break that down into, into like that masculine energy and that feminine energy? Yes, but the, the characteristics of the energy could be interchangeable. Okay. Some women are more dominant in a relationship than the man. Some women might be, uh, I don't know, maybe more the provider in a relationship than the man. Mm-hmm. But there's always somebody playing off the other in the relationship to balance it out. I won't say, let's say this. One may be more of a disciplinary than the other. And that could be either partner. It could be the mother. In my household, my mom was the, the ass whooper. Yeah, yeah. My dad, he'd just pull her ear. Yeah. He ain't had time to do all that. My mom, like, I got time today. Nigga. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to lay you down, <laughs> lay on your stomach if you move. And then you get hit everywhere. So mom's was like, she about that life. Dad was like, man, I ain't got time for all it that. It was more you know laid back, yeah. chill. Right. So you might typically think that the father disciplined her. Not necessarily. But yeah. as long as somebody's disciplining somebody, he had her back if they if we would have jumped up and got buck or something. Yeah. So, um, just having the father there is an added balance because no matter who provides what somebody has to provide the opposite now growing up in the household with my mom that's just a discipliner 
I noticed that I grew up and I was like on some when I have my kids like ass whoopers is the answer to everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not. Yeah. It's some answers, but it's not the answer to everything. But that's because I didn't get the balance. Now, I, I did for a period see my dad and see him not being disciplined. But if he would have stayed around, I could have got a better understanding of why he was like that. I okay. just accepted it because my dad wasn't. He he left at about when I was uh, first, second grade. Oh, and, 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 and I know we, we all over the place. You know what right, I mean? Right. We going, we no, going dumb. You hear me? Let's go so, dumb. So I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about, like, what was your experience like? How did, you, how did that affect you, right? Cause you you still young, like you still need your father. Yeah. Like we all need our father, we all need our mother. But like as black men, we need our father. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so like how 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 what did that what did that do to a young Eli? Okay, so what it did to me mainly is uh, it just left a void. Like you know, I wasn't a mama's boy growing up. I took the responsibility because first when my dad left, I had my older brother, so he was like a father figure to me. But he had his own dad because we had different dads. So eventually he ended up moving with his dad all the way across to Minnesota. So then I became like quasi the man in the house. Mm -hmm. I took that role seriously, even though it's not really a role for a 14-year-old or a 13-year-old. But I had I, my mom, being a strong woman she was, she was able to instill a little bit of that strength so that we wouldn't be weak men. Mm -hmm. But the void was I just didn't have that extra balance. I didn't have that extra opinion. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that other side of the coin that could have helped me understand this, this picture more holistically. I didn't have, you know, my dad is, uh, my mom, she's more of the, like I said, disciplinary. She's the loving, caring. Mm -hmm. My my dad was like the intellectual. Oh, wow. So I would have had a more deeper intellectual side if my dad was around. And I, and, I, and I tell you straight up, like, you you pretty deep to me, you know what I mean? And, yeah. But see, that was something that you had to go search for. Right, and I found out that it's more so coming from my dad's side when I look at his family and when I look at him. And I'm like, nothing taken from my mom, but you know, you got parents that are different on different, you know, different ways. On so me. On, on, if we talking about intellectually and we talking about intuitively, my mom was a true woman. She's more intuitive, caring, nurturing. My dad was more the intellectual. So, you know, if he was there, I would have got that side. So um, just not having the, 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 the ability to learn from a man to how to be a man. Ooh. I had to learn secondary from other people that really wasn't my father. So they wouldn't even put the, the, the extra emphasis on teaching me. Yeah. I'm just scraping up what I can get from you. Yeah. I'm scraping it from TV. You know, Bill Cosby raised me, you know, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Dre and Snoop. And then they, oh, they, these niggas is yeah. raising me. The yeah. homie down the street, Pee Wee, this, this dude that just want to pull up every now and then and mess with the kids and give them $5 here and there. That's who raised me. The cat that I looked up to and didn't even know nothing about him, but just looked up to him because he might have had something I want. That's who raised me. I said, okay, I want that. So I'm going to mimic what he does. Mm. But not knowing what he's doing to get it or not knowing who he truly is as a man and his character behind all that. Right. So. It's just a void and a lack of having that other side of the coin that can really help me balance my life. That's what everybody needs. Everybody deserves a mother and father, straight up. I love it, man. And you and you just broke down like the void that you experienced when when young Eli yes. uh, had his father leave his his life, and, and you talked about just like I needed to search, I need to fill that void. So you talked about looking for outside influences, oh, yeah. thinking about like the rap culture, even yeah. Bill Cosby, like yeah. entertainment things like yeah. that. Like it's 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 a shame, but it's one of them things where it just like it's it's actually ties into when a man actually steps into a, a household that 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 or or more so uh takes in a a, a kid right because you talked mm -hmm. about how you you've become a stepfather yep. to and a I child a and whatnot you know what i'm saying so talk a little bit about that experience okay. on both levels to where you being the stepfather and also experiencing a stepfather 
So I got a stepfather. My mom got remarried or married when I was in, um, like, coming out of middle school, going into high school. So um, when that happened, I automatically rejected him because that wasn't my dad, but that was my mom. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get anything from him that I could have got from him because I rejected him as a father figure. So um, I didn't build a relationship with him, didn't allow myself to open up to him. Because like I said, I got a dad and you ain't it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you were my mom, but that's it. Yeah. Um, him, good dude, but he, from what I learned later, had already had grown children too. So he had had no interest in raising nobody else's yeah, kids yeah, either. Yeah. I ain't blaming him, you know what I'm saying? He saw what he liked it and he, he was doing what he wanted to do. Other than that, he was going to help my mom, but you know... He already raised his kids. He had what he had, and, and, and I wasn't part of that program. So he didn't create a, a bridge between me and him so that we could build that fatherly bond. Now I get older, and I'm a stepfather. Mm. I take a different approach because I'm the type of person, that if, if I'm with you, I'm with you. I can't half-ass it. Like, I can't just be in the house, I'm humping on your mama, but I don't care nothing about you. It's either all the it's end. All it's either all or nothing. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like... I'm treating him like I would treat any of my own kids. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So being a stepfather, I was all in like a real father. Um, but I understand that maybe I could have pulled back a little bit. How so? The, the, the thing is maybe disciplinary ways or maybe um, just trying to be a real father. Because at the end of the day, um, you're not that child's father. Right. So you got to look at yourself as a mentor. You got to look at yourself as an uncle or something. Yeah trying to be their father when they know they have a father like if they never knew their father that's one thing but once you know your father or once you know of your father and you know his family and they're telling you about him then you can't replace dad yeah. you know what i'm saying there's no way to do that yeah unless he was just a complete asshole that completely rejected you and hurt you to the point where you said like i don't want to know him you can't replace him so and it's, and it's so dope right only because like you experienced that right like mm -hmm. you experienced like man i don't accept you right you know what i'm saying so like you stepping into that role is like I already know the territory because I've been on the opposite side before. Talk a right. little bit about that. But the that. thing is, is I tried to be that one that was in the life, and eventually it backfired on me for the same reason I'm saying right now. I can't replace him. Wow. And I should have put myself in his place like I was when I had a stepfather and say, hey, that ain't my daddy. I should have said, like, hey, you know, I'm not his dad. So all I'm going to do is play the role that he wants me to play in his life and that his mother wants me to play, but then I got to draw the line. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because... I'm not his dad. Just like, remember, you was a stepson, and you didn't accept that nigga at all. Yeah. I thought by being active, I would gain that acceptance. But there are certain dynamics that is just not going to always work out that way. You know what I'm saying? So it's cool. I got a good relationship with my, I call him my son, I call him stepson. That's beautiful. That's just how I'm raised. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My family is like that. And it's a lot of, you know, children of different fathers in one household. We ain't got time to be going to the, you know, the specifics. We all brothers. We all sisters. It is what it is. To daddy show up, we got to figure out who daddy finna pay for some shit. Oh, man. But everybody is everybody. So I'm not going to waste my time saying what he is and how he is and all that other good shit. But, um, yeah, go ahead. And, and so, like, you, you've experienced leadership roles, like, all your life. You know what I'm saying? And just, yeah. like. I just, I heard you earlier in the conversation talked about how, like, you actually positioned yourself or was in the position of being an ordained uh, minister or just being ordained in the church. Could you talk a little bit about the experiences that yeah. you kind of exhibited, you know what I mean, being ordained in the church? So, in my spiritual journey, mm -hmm. my path took me to the church. And in that path, like I said, as always, I'm either all in or I'm not in at all. That part. When I went into the church, I went 
hamburger. You feel me? <laughs> <laughs> I went in like, you know what? If if this is what it is, then nigga, I gotta be right next to Jesus, nigga. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I gotta be his right hand man because I'm that nigga. Like I don't play no little punk roles. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I gotta be that nigga in heaven if I'm gonna go there. Let's get into so, it. So I went in there, man, and I got to the point where the pastor just trusted me enough to give me a key to the church. I was opening up the church, getting there before everybody. He would say, hey, man, once you start the service with a prayer, I'll start the service with a prayer. I got put over a little Sunday school situation. Uh, my dedication was what led me to get into leadership positions. Then people started murmuring about, oh, man, you need to accept your gift. You just need to accept your gift. I didn't see it as a gift. I just seen it as me doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But they seen it as a gift. And since I was a student, I studied, I read the Bible from front to back, and I analyzed it and broke it down. I was able to teach from it. Mm. And I start teaching. Then it was like, you know what? You're going to be a minister in the church. We're going to ordain you. Yeah. And I got ordained with another group of other people. One of them is a pastor now of a church over here in uh, Compton called Brister uh, Baptist Church. Okay. Uh, Jawan Hilton, a good brother uh, that I know, and Carson, he's a council member too. Then the uh, pastor I came up under, his church is right over on the other side. Okay. So, um, yeah, I got that far. And then that's when it stopped. Okay, here we go. So, uh -oh. so truth seeker, truth speaker, we dropping bombs. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, so, and you talked about how it it all turned left, right? So, like, yeah. what is some of the things that uh, transpired, right? What is some of the things that transpired to have you be like, you know what? I got to do something different because this ain't all what it looks to be. Woo. Here we go. Now we finna dig deep. Here we go. We finna dig deep. Okay, so what happened was I reached a point in my journey where. They could take me as far as they can take me. Here we go. And now it was time to go to the next stage. However that had to transpire, it had to transpire. But remember I said, like when I went to the penitentiary, I know I'm not here for what they say on paper I'm here for. I'm here for an experience that's part of my full journey. 100%. Like Because I'm thinking holistically. I'm not thinking individual situations. I'm, I'm thinking me. big picture. So, again, thinking big picture, the reflective type of person I am I'm like, yeah, it's pretty much a rap here. One of the things that made me feel like it was a rap because things wasn't as um as I thought they was. Mm. You know, everybody wasn't who they said they was and the church wasn't what I thought it was. You know what I'm saying? So I was a little jaded by that. You know what I'm saying? People that I looked at as, you know, pillars and, you know, mentors and people that had a certain level of respectability lost that respectability. Wow. So here I go losing my dad again. Yeah. Losing that fatherly male figure again, because this time it wasn't that they left. It's just that they left out a, a, per, a, a place inside me because they didn't hold that space anymore. Wow. You see me? So, uh, boom, I can't be here no more. Now I got to start coloring outside the lines. I've been good long enough now. And we talked earlier about just yeah. getting outside of that box. You yeah, know what I mean, coloring man. outside that line. Talk yeah, to us. man. Life is about expansion and contraction. It's like breathing. Life is a long ass breath. Inhale, exhale. Yeah. Um, so I contracted and conformed to the lifestyle for as long as I needed to, which was the Christian lifestyle as a minister. Mm -hmm. And then it was time to expand and explode and get up out of there. Yeah. Why? Because this journey, man, it's a, it's, it's a never ending journey. So it's not really no end to it. So if you're ever stuck at one place, you better start shaking some shit up because something is wrong. That's a fact. You need to keep moving. I, I, I look at people now like, why are you still there? Right. You're not there for the reason you think you're there for. Because mm. if you were, you would have been left. Ooh. And it ain't nothing against that. That's just like being in elementary at 27. That's crazy. You don't even fit the chair no more, bro. Oh, man. Get get out. Get the fuck out of here, <laughs> man. It's a little nigga that needs that seat, man. Oh, man. <laughs> you're taking up space. Bro, you need to teach. 
be a teacher. Hey, I get the hell up out of here. So that's what I had to do. I'm like, man, nah, I got to get up out of here. And whatever method I had to get up out of there. See, sometimes situations happen to get you out of a situation because you're not going to make the decision that you need to make. Mm-hmm. So life will make the decision for you. Like, oh, you're not going to leave? Okay. <laughs> and, and see, Eli, we don't want that to happen. It, yeah. You know what I mean, we don't want the, it, we don't want yeah. life, right? Because, because a lot of times we may fall victim into thinking that, damn, like, why is it that life keep doing this to me? Like, nah, life, life is, life, life happens for you. For you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it don't happen to you. Talk yeah, to us a little bit about bro. that. Like I said, every, every circumstance, if I didn't make the decision to do it, then life was going to make the decision for me. Mm. But as I'm being this person and I am always looking at the big picture, mm-hmm. I accepted it. Wow. So when I went to Japan, I accepted it. Mm-hmm. When um, when I left the church, I accepted it. When uh, Pops left, I was a little kid. I couldn't understand it. Okay. But getting older, I accepted it. Mm-hmm. Don't have no ill will towards my dad. Matter of fact, we got a relationship now. He's back with my mom. We cool. Oh, that's super dope. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's different. Yeah. But, you know, it's 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 he's there. So it's like what I'm going to do keep you know everything happened for a reason yeah. so if i believe that or if i know that then i can't come behind that and say but why this or why me man it is what it is but see but see it's so easy to say it is what it is only because it's one of those things where it's like you talked about the power of accepting it right and then right. moving on but then also a part of us as human beings mm-hmm. right as flawed individuals we, i can't help right as an individual myself oh, no. i can't help but be like why? Damn, why you come back now? Why? Like, why yeah. you come back now? Like, everything is all said and done. Yeah. But then again, is everything all said and done? It's not. It's something that has to be done still. It's some. It's, it might be another outbreak or burst, and y'all might, you know, leave paths again. Yeah. I just feel like you need to understand that this is a journey, and you need to be on the journey side of it. And when you look at it as a journey, then you accept everything as an aspect of the journey, but it ain't, it ain't the journey. Yeah. Like losing my dad wasn't my life story. Mm. It's just a part of my life story. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Some people make a part of their life their whole life story. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been abused. I've been yeah, you not all your life, man. Let's keep it real. And then you fell victim into the victim mentality. Victim so now, mentality. now life life happens to, to you at you that now, point. Now, yeah, because you only attracting life happening to you instead right. of you happening to life. Right. You know, I always say like Shit gonna go however it's gonna go until you tell it how to go. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Like you, it ain't gonna go no other way. Now it's so many different things that can happen in life if you don't make the choice. That part. That's that whole fate thing. You could say it was fate that it happened this way, or you could say it happened this way because I didn't make a choice. Because it's a lot of things that can happen when you don't make a choice, and any of those things can happen because there's a lot of possibilities and variables in this whole little situation. Mm-hmm. When you make the choice, you can only make one thing happen, mm. okay? And that's where you can have faith that what you want to happen is going to happen because once you make the decision, the only thing that can change what happened is somewhere down the line, you change your mind. Yes, sir. You feel me? Yes, sir. So, yeah, I'm not going to be a victim of situations in my life. I'm going to live through them and keep it pushing. I love it, man. And, and I'm not going to be a victim of situations in my life. Can we talk a little bit about just like victim mentality, right? Yeah. And just how like you'll always be on the back burner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you'll never be in full control of your life because right. you fall victim into making excuses upon right. other people having certain influences or or the ways in which the 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 way in which you live in mm-hmm. is like damn like why is all this happened to me and wh- like you literally manifesting and you talked a little bit about you literally attracting life happening to, to you. you yeah so talk a little bit about like the the detriment of victim mentality okay well I, I put it like this I, I I keep saying I always say I'm always saying I always 
thing. Okay, that's that's another part. Saying. That's another part of Eli's signature, by the way. Y'all you know I mean? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I've been here for for many moons, so I got a lot, you know, what I'm saying to say. But uh, oh, what I'm gonna say is this: um, what position? And this is where I'm talking about leveraging your life at. This is my whole little my whole little purpose. In what position empowers you? Oh, take that position. So with the victim mentality, there's no power because the finger is pointed outward instead of inward. Ooh. How can you get, okay, how can you get somebody to do something for you? You can't, right? You can try to coerce a person to do something. You can suggest a person. You can use violence and things to try to get a person. But really, at the end of the day, it's that person's decision to do something for you. That's a fact. But you have complete control over everything you do for yourself. Do what they say, do what you handle the things you have control of. Mm. Okay. So the victim mentality don't service you at all because you cannot control how things happen to you until you start controlling what you're doing. Now you're controlling how things happen to you. So when you come into this world, there's a certain series of events that just come by nature of you coming in. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to get caught up in the events. Yes, sir. See, that's where things get lost. We polarize ourselves in the situation. I ain't had no daddy. I'm born black in the hood. Now you polarization in that situation. You created this bubble where all you attract and magnetize yourself for is everything that has to do with that situation. That's crazy. And the cold thing about reality is there's an infinite amount of situations that can be created off of every mentality, bro. We get so it to the never truth. end. You can be in that spiral forever. Man. That's why I've been saying lately, man, the struggle is not real to me. Yeah. Why? Because what does that mean when I say it? I'm I'm attracting it. Yeah. You say, well, it's things going on out there. Stop thinking out there is real. Like we really want to get deep. Out here ain't real. The only thing real in your reality is you. We get into the truth, man. You know what I mean? We get into the truth. The only reality is it's you. You. you know what I mean? Like you are the sole energy to uh, uh, attracting that very energy. You, you know what I mean? It, you got to be it. You got to be it in it. order to get that energy gravitated your you, way. You, you Neo, bro. You wow. Spider-Man. You Superman. Wow. Whoever the main character in the movie is, nigga, that's you. That Whoever the villain is, nigga, that's you. That Whatever position you want to play, that's who you are. Take the position that empowers you. Take you got the, the choice to do that. Take the position that empowers, empowers you. you. Wow. And Eli, it's so crazy, right? Because like, we watch a lot of movies, this, that, and the third. It's just like, damn, like, but in your movie, are you the starring role? You have to be, mm. whether you accept it or not. See, the where shit get, get tricky is when you don't accept it. Yeah. That's when shit get tricky. But when shit go the way you want to, it's because you've accepted your role as the main character. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, it's, it, it you got to accept certain things in this reality, man. That's you a fact. Gotta, you got to learn what's really going on. And that goes back to the identity crisis, who you really are, mm -hmm. so that you can be your authentic self. If you look at every hero movie, it's always the hero struggling and wrestling with his identity. Right. But once he accepts it, oh, he whooping some ass. That's a fact. But in the middle of it, he be in his ass beat yeah. because he don't, he halfway in and halfway out. Wow. And, and Eli, it's so crazy, right? Because I had a conversation, right? And by the way, man, we, we, 
About an hour and 18 minutes strong. Yeah, you know I mean, my longest episode. Dropping bombs from the Truth Seeker, Digging Truth Speaker deep. podcast. So, Digging you know, deep. we entrepreneurs, my brother. Yeah, you know I mean, I, I talked to the, the listener and I told them, like, you a beast in business, right? And so I was having a conversation because I did a pop out. Yeah, you know I mean, I did a pop out this past weekend. You know what I'm saying? Going to the trenches, right? Yeah, you know I mean, on the front line. And so I had, a first, I had a conversation with one of the individuals passing by and was just like, yo, like, it's been a slugfest. Like, how you doing today? Like, like how's business going? I'm like, it's cool. You feel me? Like, I'm talking to literally, literally everybody. You know what I mean, I'm getting a listening ear. I'm just an energetic force, right? right like, right, people right. Are like, ah, oh, fuck with your energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, at the end of the day, you gotta be the one to push that brand. You gotta be the one to push whatever business you got going. Because yeah. if you don't believe in yourself, nobody gonna believe in yourself, or nobody yeah, gonna push up, yeah. uh, push whatever it is you got going on. So I talked about it's a slugfest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've been getting hit left and right, oh, but yeah. I've been throwing them. I've been yeah. throwing them. They laughing yeah. at like i love it i'm like yo i got it's it's a slug fest life is a slug fest it is. you know what i mean and so like talk to us a little bit about how we got to stay in the fight you know what i'm saying because you talked about how even in the middle of the movie oh yeah I, I was getting beat i was getting beat but like at the end of the movie he ended up being triumphant yeah. you know what i mean yeah, so yeah. talk to us about the power of sticking with it staying in the in the fight um it's just about deciding and accepting who you are and not allowing anything to get you off of that, that balance off of that square. Mm. That's it. It's an identity crisis, bro. Uh, most of what we deal with is based on who we identify ourselves as being mm. and a constantly reinforcing that. See, we either reinforcing who we are or we're doing something to not reinforce it. And when we do things to not reinforce it, then we start sliding into these all these unpredictable circumstances. And then that's when victim mentality kick in because you don't want to take responsibility for the fact that you want to initially start slipping and acting like you ain't know who the fuck you was. Right. But you got to know who you is. So it's an identity crisis situation. And, and, and the fight only comes because you're second guessing who the hell you is. Because mm. when you know who you are, ain't shit going to happen. It's just going to happen how it's supposed to. That part. Because you don't get what you want, you get what you are. Woo. That's 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 something that I heard. I think it was from Jim Rohn or one of these guys. But it's powerful because that'll explain what you get. And that'll explain why they also say it's not what you have to do to get what you want at a certain point. It's who you have to become mm. to get what you want. And mm. keeping it authentic is being whoever you are and just magnifying that. You don't have to be somebody else. Mm. You just have to magnify whoever you already are. You know what I'm saying? I love it, man. And so so as we as we get closer to ending the the, the podcast, this is a beautiful episode, by man, the way. Before man. we go, I know you are author, my brother. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? The author of Against All Odds. Yes, sir. Could you talk a little bit about the book, man? Okay. Like, what, what, the book that in which you provided to the world. Okay, so my first little offering to the world is Against All Odds, which is part autobiography, part a book about my business and building my business and what it what I went through. Mm -hmm. The title comes from one of my favorite Tupac songs, Against All Odds. I'm a hey, big he Tupac fan. On me. Yes, sir. And uh, basically, it's just saying, like, you know, against everything that was set up against me to fail, I still succeeded. The mm -hmm. picture on there is a picture of my prison ID. Um, and the reason why is because it speaks about who I am. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm the owner and runner of a business, a six-figure business. But on the front of this book, is a picture of me in the penitentiary. Mm. See, so like I always say, your past doesn't predict your future. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, this book is about encouraging. It's an underdog story. Mm. So the first version I wrote, I wrote two years ago, is a paperback version, and it was available on Amazon. I'm rewriting it. Okay. And I'm redistributing it 
this year on my birthday. Salute to that. Salute thank to you, that. Thank you. And the purpose of it is because I believe that I had to, I did it rushed and I want to do it better and I want more people to get it. Mm. I did good with the sales. I did good with getting the exposure, but I want more people to see it. More people need to hear this story. More people need to know this story. And sometimes you can have a good story, but if it's not packaged right, then it won't get to enough people or the right people. So I had to repackage it so that I could redistribute it. And so that's all it is. It's just my story. It's just my version. It's just me leveraging my life again, mm. taking my story. Because one guy told me one day, he's like, you got a million dollar story. Mm. And I said, you know what? If I could package it right, I can actually get that million. If I package <laughs> it right. Yo, that's so crazy. If I package it right. And that's, that's it. So crazy. And I want to say that to you too, brother. It's, it's, it, your, your develop ain't the hustle. Your develop is the packaging. Mm. The packaging. Package it. Yes, sir. Once you master the packaging, everybody going, they can't help. They're not going to be, it's going to be undeniable. When they walk past, they got to grab it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Once the packaging is developed properly, yes, how you package and distribute what you have to offer because you're powerful. You have a powerful voice. You have a powerful message. Yes, sir. You have a powerful energy. Focus on the packaging. I'm in the same boat, bro. That's why I'm redoing my book. On me. No. <laughs> we all trying to get that perfect packaging. And once we get it, it's the world going to feel it. The world going to see it. I love it, man. And I appreciate the jewelry, man. Like, like I hold you in a high regard. You know what I mean? Like, you are, you a solid dude. Same here. You know what I mean? Like, when we first connected, you know what I mean? It was one of them things where it was off the gate. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it was yeah. a certain frequency that yeah. we both was on. Yeah. And we tapped all the way in. All the way in. And now we here. Uh -huh. And so I just, wanted to, I just wanted to end with just, like, the listeners. I know they enthralled. I know they captivated by the conversation. Yes, and so, so. give them, give them some, some, something to leave with. You know what I'm okay. saying? Like, what is it that you want to leave the audience you know what I'm saying about Eli and just like what message you want to give to the people? My message man? is like I said earlier, leverage your life. Your life, first of all, is your business, literally and figuratively. First thing you need to do is work on your branding. Mm. Branding is mean it means how who are you known? What are you known for? Who are you? Mm. And what do you bring to the table? Okay. Then next on that, after you work on the branding, work on your packaging, how you going to prepare, how you going to present that to people. OK, because whether you believe it or not, whether you want to accept it or not, your life is your business. Wow. OK. And and you need to leverage it because somebody else is going to do it. Mm. It's not even a question. Somebody else is going to take you and they're going to leverage you mm. for their benefit if you don't do it. Mm. So you make the choice. You know what I'm saying? Leverage your life. And in leveraging your life, understand that the foundation of it all is personal development. Work on self harder than you work on anything else. Yo, and just like that, you know what I mean? We wrap up the truth seeker, truth speaker. And as we always do at this time, peace to the people. I'm gone.